I think I'm on. I'm on, I'm on, I'm on. Great to be here. It's great to be ministering the word. It always is a privilege. The highest privilege. I do believe I have the best job in the world. How does it get any better? <clears throat> I have the opportunity of traveling around the world preaching about Jesus. <laughs> so I don't wake up having bad days on a Monday or a Saturday or a... Because every day is about the kingdom, which is true for all of us. But it is a great joy, it's a great honor to preach. Uh, Rob, uh, I went to visit him in hospital on Monday and he said, uh, oh, by the way, do you mind preaching on, in the morning and the evening? So I said, it's a great joy. And he's doing well. Uh, I visited him yesterday as well. He's back home and um, sitting up. We had coffee outside and uh, he talking the hind leg of a donkey. So you can see he's recovering really well. But I uh, just didn't feel like he's strong enough to come and get 250 hugs this morning. So he still has a neck brace, not sleeping too well. So please keep praying for his recovery. Uh, he is doing really, really well though. And uh, I want to speak this morning <clears throat> about a message that I've called uh, God moving from negative to positive. And I, I love the worship this morning. I love that... Um, we, we sang about the, the glory of God. We sang about the God who moves mountains. And, uh, and I want to say this morning, this is the gist of what I want to share, is that God always turns negative situations into positive ones. And uh, you might be facing, and I know many people are, we've been praying this last week or two about specific situations in your lives and in people that we know are battling, but I believe today we're going to see significant breakthrough. I, uh, God woke me up at 3 o'clock this morning, because he neither slumbers nor sleeps, and, uh, and I woke up so aware of God, and, uh, and I felt him say, look at lightning, and so without disturbing my wife, I don't think I did. I uh, had a quick Google search about lightning. I'm sure I studied it when I was in high school a few years ago. But I wasn't a brilliant student, so even if I did, I forgot all the details. And uh, fascinating, this thing of lightning. And uh, I'm probably not going to do it justice, so if there's any uh, people who are masters in science and whatever category it falls under, what happens with lightning is that in a cloud, when there's a condensation uh, and water begins to uh, ice up and the winds begin to move within a cloud, the, there's simple steps. There's first of all a separation of the charges of negatives and positive of, of uh, protons and electrons. And then there is the discharge. That's the lightning we see. And that lightning bolt, they say, is not more than an inch wide, but it's 54,000 degrees Fahrenheit, which is six times hotter than the sun with that discharge. There's positive uh, um, charge on the earth, and the negatives out of uh, the clouds causes this uh, arching of this magnificent power display. 
And uh, obviously, I was speaking about the thing of positive and negatives, but and that's what it's about. And and but as I began to look at this thing of lightning and clouds, I I began to see so many parallels in the spirit world. That in the heavens, there's this, there's these positive and negative. There's the the power of God and there's the power of the devil. Um, and there's these breakthroughs, both negatives and positive. There's these lightning bolt moments. And you remember when Jesus sent out the disciples two by two and they went out and they came back rejoicing that demons were subject to them in Jesus' name. And Jesus said, don't rejoice about the fact that demons are subject to you. Rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. And then he said this, he said, I saw Satan fall like lightning to the ground. There was this, in the spirit realm, there was this kind of negative dethroning of uh, principalities, of powers. This, the Bible talks about principalities and powers in the air that were being dethroned because the disciples were operating in the authority here in the earth in the name of Jesus. And I feel like they're going to be these uh, divine breakthrough, the divine lightning bolts, and God is able, folks, please understand this, and, and I'll qualify it in Scripture in a moment, God is able to take any negative situation you are in now, and with this divine cross, picture of the cross, this minus sign, God is able to come and bring the path of the cross, the power of Jesus' name, and cancel out whatever the enemy is trying to do. Colossians chapter 2, it's on the slide there. Paul says this, And you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, how many know that's a negative? How many know that when you are not a part of the kingdom of God, when you are not born again as Jesus teaches, you are to God dead in your sin? There are a lot of dead people walking around on the planet today. They don't know they are, but they are dead in sin, dead in their trans trespasses. The Bible says that while you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us all his trespasses and cancelling the record of death. That's that divine plus. We all had this negative. We all had this minus. It was sin. It made us cut off from God. The Bible says sin separates us from God. And there is no cure. There is no positive thinking cure. There is no, I'll do better. There is no, I'll try to do good works cure for this negative that is set against humanity. It's this eternal negative. That only through the power of Jesus Christ on the cross cancels that negative and makes it into a divine, eternal picture of the cross, a positive. He cancels the record of, of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. About a, uh, it's probably close to a month now, Shemaine and I and Rob and Linda went to Athens we met with a couple of leaders from around the world talking about the challenges of Europe and, and how we can uh, take the gospel through and into Europe, break through into a new kind of frontier. We also got to 
meet with and minister and bring some food to some of the refugees in, in Athens. And, uh, and then Keir Taylor, who stayed on for the, uh, um, a week or two, him and I went to a place called Kalamos and did a weekend of leadership training with people from 19 different nations. And uh, it was an amazing time. We uh, really saw God move. There were a number of people saved. Uh, there's a church that has started out of the feeding of the refugees. And we got to meet 40-plus people who uh, had left, mostly Syria. There's some from Afghanistan as well, who'd come and, and found Jesus on their many, many weeks and months sojourn out of their countries. They'd met Jesus, most of them in Athens. And now a church has started. And, uh, but as we got to speak with a number of those people, there were a couple from Albania. And they had uh, got saved themselves. And they were the first converts after communism in Albania. And he was telling me that there are more than 10 million Albanians scattered throughout the Balkan different states. And as he was beginning to tell me about his dream of they planted a church, they want to plant many churches amongst the many scattered Albanians. And he said, we're the first generation of Christians after communism. I came away from that time with, with this one word, that the gospel, Jesus Christ, the kingdom of heaven, is unstoppable. That was the word, unstoppable. It seemed like communism for 70 plus years had been this major negative, major minus in, all, in so many of the different nations around the world that persecuted Christianity and other religions and wanted to shut it down. And it seemed like there'd been a handbrake in the growing of the church. But Jesus said this, Matthew 16, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against effectively an advancing church. Gates don't move, but the church is. And communism was a kind of a blimp, a speed bump, on, on, the, on the kingdom road. And God is able and willing and is turning every single negative of the enemy into a divine plus because of the power of the cross. I want to share a few principles with you and then we're going to have a look at a few examples from Scripture. Principle number one, God is sovereign. God is in charge. I heard someone recently say this, and I don't agree. They said this, God is in charge, but he's not in control. And I don't want to get into an argument with this guy. Most of you will know who he is. It's not Rob. He said, God is in charge, but he's not in control. Well, Psalm 115 verse 2 says this. Why should the nations say, where is their God? Our God is in heaven. He does all that he pleases. Sounds pretty sovereign to me. He does what he pleases. God is in charge and God is in control. Even when things seem out of control. How many have been in situations where you feel like, where is God? Or you look at the news broadcast, or you look at an earthquake, or you look at something, you think, 
It seems out of control. How can God be? I understand why there is this argument that God is not in control. It says in Acts 13, 27, those who live in Jerusalem and their rulers, because they did not recognize Jesus, nor understand the utterance of the prophets, which are read every Sabbath, they didn't recognize him and they didn't understand what the prophets were saying, but they still fulfilled them in crucifying and condemning Jesus. Why? Because he's in control. God is in charge. Even when the disciples who were scattered because here is Messiah, here is Jesus who we finally getting revelation about and now they kill him. What happened? I wanted to sit on the right and I want to sit on the left hand of, of, of God when he comes in all his glory and now he's dead. How many know God's ways are not our ways? We'll look at that in a moment. So what about evil? If God is in charge and in control, what about evil? I feel like there is this key thing we need to understand. The difference between uh, controlling and creating of evil. The distinction needs to be made between God controlling evil and creating it. God is not the author of sin, it says in James chapter 1. But he can use sinful men to obtain his objective. And I thought the classic example is Cyrus, King Cyrus. He was Persian and uh, he was prophesied about by name 150 years before he came into existence. God is in charge. God is in control. And he says about him, and I don't have time to read all the scriptures, but it says the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus. Unsaved man. An unrighteous king, idol worshipping for sure. Speaks about him in Isaiah 44 and he says, he's my shepherd. Cyrus, the unsaved man, he's my shepherd. In Isaiah 45 it says, the Lord says to his anointed, to Cyrus. There's an anointing, there's an ability given by God to Cyrus, an unrighteous, unsaved, idol worshipping king to Work for and on behalf of God Almighty. He's in charge. Talks about him. He says, I called you by name. It says, I equip you even though you do not know me. I've stirred you up in righteousness. And of course, God used Cyrus to, to release Israel back to the promised land out of captivity. He's in charge. He's in control. Point one. Point two. God is the master of breakthrough. He delights in turning negatives into positives. The devil is the negative one. He is the accuser, the Bible says, of the brethren. He accuses us day and night. The Bible says that he fires darts of accusation at us. Ephesians chapter 6, flaming darts. It says in John 10 that the devil comes only to kill, steal, and destroy. How many know those are negative things? How many have experienced some of that? Killing, stealing, robbing, and destruction in your life. That's what the devil only comes to do. And of course to lie. Because he's the father of lies. What hurts me, what offends me, is that people believe a liar 
and they battle to believe the truth. Isn't that amazing? The devil comes and whispers lies in your ear and you believe a liar. And God keeps speaking truth from his word to you and you struggle to believe truth. And you side with a liar? That doesn't make any sense. He's the, the negative one. He's the, the accuser. But Jesus said in John 10, I have come to give you life. And life in better in quality and in quantity. Abundant life. How many want this abundant life? God, God is more committed to this than you and I are. It amazes me and I sit around Christians and I listen to the way they speak. It's like they glorify their misery. And I'm like, no, no, this is not, this is not the norm. This is not the abundant life that Jesus Christ is promising you. And if for sure we're going to, while we live on this earth, we're in a war. For sure we haven't, the, the, the devil who's wanting to come and kill and steal and destroy. He hates you and he hates me. And he persecuted Jesus and Jesus said, if you want to live righteously in Christ, you will be persecuted. The thing is, folks, we've got this 54,000 degrees Fahrenheit power fire of God that is able to come as we stand in faith. I love that word this, of testimony this morning. All these kind of positive charges on earth that attracts these lightning bolts. As we operate and come to God in faith, he's able to come and bang, cancel out what the enemy's lying and deceiving and firing fiery darts to rob and steal from your life and from my life. And Jesus did this. That wonderful picture of Satan being cast down. In the, in, the, in the book of Luke, in the book of Revelation, it says, uh, salvation and power of the kingdom of, of our God and the authority of Christ have come. The accuser of the brothers has been thrown down. That's the purpose of Jesus coming. The reason the Son of God was appeared in 1 John 3, 8 was to destroy the works of the devil. This is the reason Jesus appeared. Why is it? that his works are being glorified? Why is it that his works are being tolerated in your life and my life so often? The reason Jesus appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. And nothing's changed. He is the same. Yesterday, today and forever. You know, Jesus, as I was kind of Preparing this message, I just thought about Jesus messed up every funeral he attended. And there's three mentioned in Scripture. Lazarus was one. He heard that he was dying and he, he delayed coming because he really wanted him to die. So that he could raise him from the dead. Another Scripture is a young man from Nain in Luke 7. And it's just, it says that Jesus was passing by and there was a funeral procession. It's kind of by accident he bumped into, he's the kind of guy you want to bump into in a funeral. Who's coming? Jesus. Whoo. <laughs> Who's coming to your funeral? Jesus is coming. This is going to be a celebration. And Jesus turns all things, the Bible says, for good. Romans 8.26, we know, we know, 
I hope we know that those, for those who love God, all things, no, 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 some things, the good things, the acceptable things. No, we know that for those who love God, how many love God in this place? All right, so for half of us, the rest, it's amazing that you're here on a Friday. But for those who love God and are called according to His purpose, we know that God causes all things to work together for good. All things. It's impossible. All things. It can't be true. All things. Can you say that? My things. Say my things. Because we keep thinking in the third person. That's fine for the neighbor sitting next to me. But God causes all things, my things. God causes all the things in my life to work for good. I know this. We know this. Why? Because he, he's, he's able to turn this negative, this minus in our life into a plus through the power of the cross and the power of his name. And I had this quote sent to me this week. That's why I kind of knew I needed to preach this message. That only God, thank you, by the way, to Sajit. This is not my handiwork. These, none of them are, ever. If you see anything on the screen, it's not me. I have gifting, but this is not it. I don't give credit as often as I do, but thank you, Sajit, for these amazing slides. Only God can turn a mess into a message. I'm true of that. That's my life. I was a mess. And now I am the message. And part of my message is I was a mess. I was walking with this negative in my life and then this positive came, this 54,000 degree Fahrenheit power of God came and, and, and called, dissected the negative and made it a plus in my life. And now I'm the message. He's only God can turn a test into a testimony we heard that this morning. Only God can turn a trial into a triumph. Only God can turn a victim into a victory. Only God. And I tell you folks, it's, He delights in this. That's why we can say and believe the scripture, and I hope you do. You know, part of saying amen in church is not because I, I'm insecure and I need some feedback from you. Amen says, means I agree. I confirm, yes. And so when I say, do you know that all things work together for good in your life to those who love Christ Jesus and called according to his purpose, when you say amen, it's God is listening. And the angels of God are listening. He delights in turning all things for good. There's also this divine exchange, number four. I'm going to need to rush along. You read Isaiah 61, there's this wonderful picture of divine exchange. He gives beauty for ashes, all of joy for, for mourning, etc., etc. Number five, give God room and space to move. The Bible says again and again and again, leave room for God's wrath. Vengeance is mine, says the Lord. I will repay. Why? Because he's in charge. He's in control. 
The problem is when we get into unbelief, when we get into uh, um, unforgiveness, we think we're, we're hurting the other person. It ends up only hurting you and I. And God says, have a short account. We used to work with a guy uh, for years and years and years who said this, keep very, very short accounts of wrongdoings in people's life. He said, in fact, uh, 30 seconds. You can be offended for 30 seconds. It's a great challenge for you. You can get highly offended for 30 seconds and then just choose to live healed. But I want to get justice. No, the Bible says leave room for God. Leave it to God. Give it to God. He can do a far better job than you and I can. And you don't get all fouled up in the meantime. And now there's a list. Next, just some examples. There's a whole bunch. I think I've got 15 of them, if you want to put up that other slide. Examples of how God has turned negatives into positives. And uh, we're never going to have enough time to have a look at all of them. So I will look at five or six of them in the time we've got left. Number one, the negative in our lives is that we are in the text that I read. We're dead in our trespasses and sin. We're dead. You and I are dead. That's an indefensible position. Not a hundred lifetimes of trying to be better and doing turning over with New Year on, on the doorstep, turning over a new leaf. Not a hundred lifetimes is going to move you from this indefensible position that you and I live with inherited sin. Adam sinned and every single human being since Adam lives in sin, is born in sin and will die in sin without God's intervention. That's why Jesus had to come. The law didn't change your indefensible position. Nothing could. This minus, this negative is against all of humanity and this is why Christianity sets itself apart from any other religion. There's nothing that can remove that negative sign against you except the cross. I've thought about as we're worshipping that hymn we used to sing about, an old rugged cross. On a hill far away stood an old rugged cross. And if you've seen any movies, Christian movies, there's a picture of the cross standing up on Golgotha. And this is God's divine picture, positive, punctuated the middle of hum human history as God's solution, the positive to all the negative of sin throughout creation. Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 4 says this, God being rich in mercy because of the great love with which He loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. Christ. By grace you have been saved. He took this negative, this indefensible position. You are condemned, as Rob was preaching last week. The wages of sin is death. You are condemned to death. Humanity is condemned to a godless eternity because sin, the Bible says, separates us from a perfectly holy God. And that's where hum humanity is. Stuck without a solution. Until Jesus comes, takes on the form of a man, dies in your place and my place. And that 
cross forms a bridge across where we are reconciled to God through Christ. That's why Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. Again, that's what sets Christianity apart from every other religion. It's not about you and I doing stuff. It's about what God did for you and for me. He turned, number one, the indefensible position into unmerited favor. Number two, he turns storms into strategy. And uh, we were um, in a conference in Jordan, Shemaine and I, last year, and I heard this outstanding message. And I borrowed the title for this point. And the, the, the guy that preached spoke about unintended places. Unintended places. And he took uh, the passage from Mark chapter 4, verse 35, and it says this. Jesus said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. And the commentators in that passage said it was probably, he was probably speaking about Bethsaida. They're on the Sea of Galilee. He says to the disciples, let us go over to the other side, to Bethsaida. It's where five of his disciples lived. But then it says there, a storm came up and blew them off course. How many have been in a storm in your life? Been in a storm? And it's not nice being in a storm. I've been in a storm in airplanes. I've been in a storm in boats. That's not a nice place to be. You kind of feel like you're out of control. But look what Jesus does. Mark chapter 5. It says, when they came to the other side, having calmed the storm and being blown off course, they came to the country of the Gerizines. And when Jesus stepped out of the boat, immediately they were met with a man of the tombs with an unclean spirit. And I can imagine the disciples looking at Jesus saying, one, we've just been through this awful storm. We thought we're all going to die. Now we're not where we, we wanted to be in Bethsaida. We're now in the country of the Gentiles. And the first person who comes is a guy who's got thousands of demons. This is not how the ministry trip plan was to be. We're supposed to be having a barb fish barbecue with Peter in Bethsaida. Here we have a thousand possessed guy. He's naked. Someone said he's eating all the neighbor's cats. He, he can't be chained. He's this wild man. This is not how the ministry trip was sold to us by Sajid. One, we hit a storm. That wasn't part of the deal. Who wants to come on a storm trip? We hit a storm. We were blown off course. We're in the wrong place. Here's a man who's demon-possessed. Of course, Jesus cast the demons out. Then it says in verse 15, and they came, the people came of the village and they saw the demon-possessed man who had a legion of demons sitting there. He's now clothed and in his right mind and they were afraid. Well, what were they before? And as Jesus was getting in the boat, the man who was possessed by the demons begged him that he might go with him and he did not permit him. And he said, go home to your friends and tell them how much the Lord has done for you. I want to just say this. Someone said this. This is Jesus' 24-hour, not even, five-hour discipleship plan for a man who'd been demon-possessed. 
don't come with me. Just go and, <laughs> go and be an evangelist. Go and tell everyone what God has done for you. I love that testimony this morning. Just go and tell them what you... You don't have great theology. Go and tell them what God did for you. I was demon-possessed and now I'm free. I ate your cat and I'm sorry for that. And look at me. I'll buy you a new cat. I'm changed. Once I was blind, now I can see. The point I'm trying to make here, folks, is that God can turn storms in your life into strategies. Because he goes, the story goes on to say that he went into the Decapolis, that is the area of 10 cities, and he became this amazing evangelist. And everyone knew him. Scars from cutting himself in the chains. Suddenly he's this evangelist that Jesus touched and changed and became this whole. And I've been to the Decapolis from the Jordan side. It's amazing what God is able to do. He's able to turn the most bizarre, insane storm and demonized situation into a God kingdom strategy. What's your problem this morning? I'm going to jump ahead, trying to follow me in the few minutes we've got left. Unprayed prayers. God turns them into heard and answered prayers before we've even spoken them. Matthew 6. When you pray, don't heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do. They think they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. Your Father knows what you need even before you ask Him. That's good to pray. But God is sovereign. I've had prayers answered before I've prayed them. I've thought about what I'm going to pray about and God's answered. Because He's sovereign. And He can answer unprayed prayers. Unjust treatment. Unexpected betrayal. Joseph is this classic example of being sold out by his brothers into captivity then being unjustly accused by, by Potiphar's wife from a pit into a prison. I mean, and, and he's trying to, and he's had dreams about being a prince. This is going south really badly. Lord, is there anyone else up there? You're giving me dreams about the sun and moon buying down and, and sheaths buying down and I'm in, I'm in the pit and now I'm in prison. Of course, God is able to turn that around and becomes the second in charge of the whole of Egypt. And he said this, you intended it for evil, but God turned the minus into a plus. There is no way Joseph with all his schemes would ever have ended up as a prince in Egypt except for the pit and the prison. Stop complaining. But let's start seeing God transform your situation. Amen? How many are ready for God to transform your situation? To turn it from a negative into a positive. God's going to do that. One or two more, very quickly. Painful persecution, a negative. Ended up in a great commission being completed. It says in Acts 8, there was a persecution against the church that was in Jerusalem and they were scattered and they went to the places Jesus had spoken eight chapters earlier to go to. And the gospel was scattered because of persecution. Persecution isn't a bad thing. In fact, I think for the church in the West, it's the best thing. Don't tell anyone in the West. And we're not in the West. 
But down there in the West, I said that. But God wants to see his commission fulfilled. Undeserved affliction, trial, God turns a trial into triumph. Man crippled from birth meets, G, meets Peter and, uh, and, and the disciples on the way to pray and ends up being given a whole new set of legs and ends up praising God. Untimely illness. How many felt like the illness you've had or have is untimely? Illness is never timely. I mean, like, oh, gee, it's great. It's flu season. <laughs> or it's, it's tumor moment. Or now it's always unplanned. Listen to what Paul says in Galatians chapter 4. An untimely illness ended up being an unplanned church plant. Galatians 4.13, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. That wasn't my plan to be in Galatia, but whatever the illness was, I ended up preaching the gospel because I'm a kingdom man. And the church got planted. And a letter was written because of it. Let me close with this. What is our part in all of God's supernatural power that is available right now to turn your life and to turn your negative into a positive. The Bible says this in Romans 12 too. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you will know what the will of God is. It's good and acceptable and perfect. And I'm borrowing this line from a friend of mine in Australia. He talks about getting into alignment with God's assignment. See, I, I, I get so many people around that I'm, and, and they don't know what they're called to do so they don't know where they are to be and they wonder why they're going through a tough time. My call to you is get into alignment with God's assignment. That's the exact place you need to be. Some of you need to turn down demotions because it's going to take you out of God's assignment. Stop thinking in dirham or dollars. Thinking in terms, think in terms of the kingdom. Not being conformed to this world means three things very quickly. One is being conformed to his will. Not yours and not anyone else's. Jesus prayed this, Lord, not my will be done, but yours. This is what we need to do. God, I want to be conformed to your will. Because Jesus said, my counsel will stand and I will accomplish all of my purpose, not yours, not someone else's for you, but his purpose. Number two, be conformed to his word, not yours and not anyone else's. God fulfills his word. Again, I get with people and they say, I don't know why this stuff's happening in my life. And, I, and, I, and my, one of my first questions are, are you in alignment with God's assignment for your life? Are you in the place where God wants you to be? Because the Lord says in Jeremiah 1 verse 12, I am watching over my word to perform it. What is God's word for you? And lastly, and I'm closing, conform to his will, conform to his word, and then conform to his ways. 
His ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Why don't you guys come? I'm convinced that God woke me up at 3 o'clock not because he wanted to disturb my beauty sleep. You all know I need that. Thank you for not saying amen. But I heard this. Look at lightning. Study lightning. These negative and positive charges. That there's a separation of the charge and then there is the discharge. And I feel like this morning what God wants to do is to take, if, if you're facing a negative situation, whatever it is, and I, I wish I had time to go through all 12, 15 or whatever they are, it covers almost everything. It covers relational issues, it covers physical healing, it, emotional, financial, whatever the negative is, first thing you need to do, folks, is get into alignment with God's assignment for you.